In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, if ever there's a, a story that's well known uh, by the people of the church, if any of you have gone to Sunday school, it's got to be the story of Jonah and the big fish, or when we were kids, it was Jonah and the whale. Uh, the story of how he was swallowed up as he was taking his trip to get away uh, off to Spain by himself. Uh, today's text finds us really in the middle of that story. We missed the whole story of his call, his running away, his getting swallowed. And the text begins, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Nineveh is that way, Jonah. Go that way. Uh, Jonah didn't want to go there. Uh, here is a, a, a town that he despised. They were the enemies of Israel. Here he was, uh, a court prophet, uh, living in the land of the promised of God. And he knew the nature of God. He didn't want to go to these people. What if they repented? He knew God was gracious. He knew that God was forgiving. He wanted these people to be punished. They were horrible people. They didn't deserve for God to come to them and give them anything or bless them. Uh, so, off in the opposite direction he goes, I won't do it until things turn awry and the storm comes and they pitch him overboard, hoping that'll appease their gods and he gets swallowed by the fish and then he gets burped up on the, on the shore once again. For the second time, uh, God calls. Uh, a thing that we might note from this, a couple lessons. First of all, when God calls, you might want to listen he doesn't give up. Uh, Jonah scrapes the crud out of his hair and heads off to those awful Ninevites. And as the text tells us, he gets about a third of the way through the city. Uh, and can you believe it? Ugh, just as he dreaded, they heard the word repentance and they did. And God forgives them. He hated it. How could this possibly be? As you read on in the story later, he's still not too happy about it. You'd think that Jonah would be praising God. Isn't this a wonderful story? People who didn't know you, people who rebelled against you, people who did their own thing have finally come back to you. But no, no, no. He, he wanted fire and brimstone on these reprobates. He did not want the favor of God. Instead of them getting what they deserved, what do they get? God who is gracious, not judgmental. One take-home lesson from all this is for us to understand that sincerity in preaching the message uh, is not what makes it work. He didn't want to preach that message, and he hoped it would go the opposite way. But he followed the command of God to proclaim the message of repentance and it does what it does because the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish the purposes for which God had sent it. He sent Jonah to proclaim this message because God wanted these people to turn to him because he wants them to receive his grace. Uh, too often we think that the preaching is all determined on how sincere we are or how we become friends before we open our mouths. We wouldn't want to insult them at all. You know, Maybe they don't want to hear about religion. Uh, no, Jonah, Jonah is teaching us, when God says, open your mouth and proclaim, you are to open your mouth and proclaim. We want to believe that if we can get just the right preacher, 
or the right program, if all the, the things get set in the right order, the church will grow by leaps and bounds. And so what do we do? What program is next? What preacher might fill the need? Uh, I know this lesson teaches us, no, it's not the preacher at all. It's not the program at hand. It's the word that does what God wants it to do. We want to see more power in everything. Um, God wants us to see power in his word. Let's face it, if we waited until people actually uh, loved uh, religion before we started talking to them, how many people do you think we'd talk to about Jesus? Uh, If we waited for them to say, yeah, I'm ready to hear, um, boy, how many would ever hear? They'll continue to turn against the word of the Lord. It's part of our inner being, our sinful flesh that does not want to repent, but wants its own ways. If we waited for the lost of Tillamook to become our friends before we invite them to church or share with them the message of a God who is forgiving and loving, then how many people in Tillamook will hear the message of Jesus' death and resurrection for them? Probably very few. It's the devil's big lie, his trick, that he likes to play on us, that the power of the word rests in us or in our sincerity or in getting the right relationship first before the word can be spoken. Uh, No, he says, you, I've chosen you, you are my people, to proclaim the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we are called to be people who go and speak that word. The old Adam in us doesn't like the program. Uh, It's like that in everything. Um, It constantly fights against God's will and God's word. I'll pray when I feel spiritual. And so when do you pray? Never. I'll tell someone about Jesus when they appear ready. You never do. Oh, I don't want to tell those Ninevites the gospel. What if they start repenting? What if they start believing, start coming to our church? My goodness, we'd have problems if we had to like fill the pews too much. That might cause problems. There might be somebody who takes my seat that I'm used to sitting in every week. Not that we Lutherans do that. Uh, We think we need to be sincerity to help his word along. Uh, He doesn't need your sincerity. The story of Jonah reminds us that the living and active word of God um, does not return empty. And it isn't determined not by the prophet's heart, but by the Lord who sends forth the word. So don't hesitate to speak the truth of Jesus, even if you're not feeling particularly evangelical that day. It doesn't matter. People need to know that there is a Lord, a Savior who died for them to give them everlasting life. Uh, Don't hesitate to pray only when you're feeling especially prayerful. Uh, Pray without ceasing. Always let your needs be known to God, your thanks, your praise. Uh, He loves it when you talk to him, just like you love it when your kids give you a call. Speak to him. Maybe I'd say pray especially when you aren't feeling especially prayerful. Maybe that's the time to get out a piece of paper and say, okay, I'm really not in the mood, but I better put on paper the things I need to say. Or, I don't feel like going to church today, probably the very time you need to go to church that day. Fight against the old Adam, the inclinations of the flesh that wants everything set in order before you hear God's word. Uh, No, 
the time is short, no time to mess around. Uh, that's the message of the epistle leading message, which was really a tough reading today. Those of you who aren't married, don't get married, on and on, don't worry about your wives. Unfortunately, some people take that a little bit too much to heart. But what's his whole point in all those things? He's, he's trying to get across um, this world's coming to an end. There's not a lot of time to mess around. Upon the return of Jesus, everything will be finished. And those who know the Lord will be with him eternally, and those who do not know him will not be with him eternally. So what's the priority of your life as people in the kingdom of God? Is it that the lost know Jesus or comfort in this world? That's his message. Paul says, from now on, let those who have lives live as though they have none. Uh, but he really wants to say, the present form of this world as you know it is passing away. It's not going to be around forever. The evidence is all around us. Just look around you. The new has already come in Jesus, and you are to live in that new. It means a different mindset in the way we live this life, that we're not just living for ourselves, are we? Uh, we're living for uh, the love of our neighbor because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're living that they might know him through our words. And so we, as the liturgy says, lift up our hearts, lift them unto the Lord. Get off of this plane and start moving up to where you belong, the kingdom of God. Set your eyes on God, set your lives on God, set your actions on God. The old Adam in us, he's glued to the things temporal. Uh, he'll only be concerned about what you have here, um, and he'll do almost anything Satan will to get in between us and Jesus. He'll use basketball practice, he'll use weekend um, events, anything that gets in the way of saying, I need to hear and receive Jesus. So, what shall we wear? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Uh, do I have enough shoes? Even the pagans run after these things, the scripture says. Uh, they want them too, but your heavenly Father, well, he already knows you need them, doesn't he? You, disciple, baptized child of God, what does he say you should do? Seek, what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this other stuff that he knows you need, he'll give you that too when you need it. He knows your needs more than you do. Think of those four young men, Peter and Andrew, James and John, two sets of brothers, busy in the family, fishing business. One day, Jesus turns to them and says, follow me. And I love, Mark loves this word. He says it all the time. And immediately, they hop to it. I'm guessing Father Zebedee wasn't real keen on the idea of them running off and leaving him alone. But they had other work to do. This earth, it'll take care of itself. Peter and Andrew, James and John, destined to become apostles, with Jesus' authority to proclaim the good news of the resurrected Christ to the ends of the earth. Jesus, you might say, was busy doing some fishing too, wasn't he? Mending the nets, catching these disciples, pulling them in. Um, fish in nets usually don't fare too well, do they? Or ones that you catch on a line. We catch them living so that they may what? Die. So also us, we are caught so that we may die to self, die to this world, 
die the things that it thinks are so important, and in Christ Jesus be raised anew to live forever with him in his kingdom. Dying to live, to live with God and to live for our neighbor. That's probably the most common theme between all the readings this morning, that we are a people who have been caught to die to sin, to die to the flesh, to live to God and his kingdom. Jonah, he gives us a picture, doesn't he? He died in the belly of the whale, came forth alive again. This is the power of God. The apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, die to the world and all this stuff that's so important, rise to new life. And so also to us, die. What do you have to lose, really? What do dead people have to lose? It changes our perspective. I'm thinking um, all that stuff that my mom and dad crammed into their house and in their garages and all the things that were so important that made it torture for the kids once they died. Do you think they care about those things now? Very, very little of importance to them. But what's important to them? Uh, I'm sure that they see the face of Jesus today and sing around his throne and rejoice. And they say to us gathered here, you're with us. We may be on different sides of the altar, but we're all here together. Uh, The things of this world, let it go. Let it go. Uh, Come, uh, follow me unto death into everlasting life. That's why we are the caught ones, and we love that we are caught. The kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, The call, I don't think it's ever been any more urgent, do you? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, It's needed. The people need to know a God who loves them, a God who is gracious, a God who made them, a God who values them, a God who would give himself for them. It's never been more urgent than uh, today and for those of us who believe. The season that we're in is epiphany. Epiphany means to reveal or make known. Um, So indeed, the church gathers to reveal. Uh, It's our job to reveal or make known a God that people don't know, a Lord that they do not see. The one who calls you, calls you to follow today to hear it again and to take it to heart, to repent, to believe the gospel. Uh, Can you imagine um, if uh, we go out into Tillamook and a third of the place was to say, we want to hear that message of Jesus. Tell us. Or if the whole town repented, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, We want to say, oh, that's not going to happen. I'm sure uh, the Ninevites wouldn't have believed it either until the word of God had its way with them. So don't be afraid. Speak the word, invite, encourage, forgive, love people. Tell them of Jesus. Um, We might be amazed at the great things that God has planned with his word. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise as we confess the faith together using the words of the Nicene Creed.